0: The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: Hey, hey, welcome, Disability Law Show. The next hour is key, so stay tuned, listen up. You can always contribute as well. Savant Tamarkin is here, and if you're in uh, BC or Alberta and you have questions anytime, our good pal Martin is off this week, so Savant's doing all the heavy lifting. But you can always reach out, doesn't matter, 1-855-821-5900. Again, toll free, 1-855-821-5900 help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. And for any other questions can be asked anonymously, quietly with your keyboard or your phone. Just go to mydisabilityquestions.com. That's a good one because not only is it easy to use, but it also has a searchable database. That's the way it was constructed. So maybe a question like yours has been asked and answered in depth in the past. It'll save you a bit of time, right? But if not, leave your questions there. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com, all one word. You can go there Um, already, Savannah. And emails are piling up. We got to get into these suckers. But I know you had something to uh, to talk about off the top. In fact, something from uh, from our pal Martin, who's uh, who's away this week. What do you got?
2: Yeah, John. I mean, Martin has uh, you know he's he's in South Africa, uh, and I'm really happy for him. Uh, it's summer down there. He deserves it oh. uh, to go there with his family. It's fantastic. But en route, en route to to South Africa, uh, I think either on the flight or in one of the locations he stopped on the way. I got this email from him between him and his assistant asking me for sort of my thoughts about a scenario that he's dealing with right now. And I thought it was a good thing to share, a good scenario, good case to share with our listeners just to, uh, to explain, you know, how these things sometimes work out. And, and so here's what happened. This lady contacted Martin has been talking to him. She's been on long-term disability for a while. I don't know how long, but for a while. Uh, earlier this month, she gets a call from her long-term disability adjuster telling her that her long-term disability benefits will end in April, April of next year. So about four, four and a half months from now. Uh, and this lady uh, has uh, tried to convince the adjuster not to do that. The adjuster says, no, your benefits are going to end. Okay. So she contacts Martin. Uh, and then she has another conversation with this adjuster after the adjuster has already informed her that there is a letter on file with a specific date of when her benefits will be terminated. In other words, verbally she's been told your benefits will end. So for all intents and purposes, from a legal standpoint, she's been told your benefits will end. Now, the interesting part here is that when this lady spoke with this adjuster again only a few days ago, this adjuster says, oh, and by the way, I am going to schedule for you an independent medical examination with one of our doctors come January, and maybe I'll change my decision to stop your benefits based on that uh, medical uh, medical report. Mm -hmm. And so the question here is, well, should she undergo this uh, this assessment or should she not? You know, John, you and I have talked many times before with Martin about, well, if the insurance company says to you that they want you to be seen by one of their doctors – you have to go to be seen by one of their doctors, right, for an assessment, this independent medical assessment. Again, I've always said these are not independent assessments because these doctors are hired and paid for by the insurance companies. But the question here is, what should she do? Does she have to go, does she not? So in the normal course of things, I would say, if you are getting LTD and the insurance company says, we want you assessed, well, you have to go get assessed, with some caveats, okay? Okay. In this case, however, here's a distinguishing element. She has been told that her benefits will end in April. She was given a specific date. That's confirmed. Now the adjuster is saying, oh, and by the way, I want you to be seen by this uh, assessment. Think about this for a second. Let's step back. Why is the insurance company asking her or telling her to be assessed in January if the decision to cut off her benefits has already been made? To me, if I were to use logic, which I often use when I deal with insurance companies, even though oftentimes I find they don't use logic, to me it seems like this adjuster cut off her benefits, or at least decided to cut off her benefits and conveyed that to to her, to this lady, prematurely. It seems to me like this adjuster has now scheduled this independent medical examination, hoping to get a report that justifies the cutoff, and then hoping that, you know, after the fact, you can say, well, you know, my decision to cut you off was absolutely correct. So the question becomes now, does this lady have go and do this assessment? Right. My view is that she does not. And here's the reason why. I know I always say if the insurance company says go and have this assessment, you must go and have it. But here's the yeah. why I actually don't think that she has to go and have this assessment. Because the insurance company has now cut her off or told her that they're going to cut her off. And to me, if they told her that her benefits will end and they are wrong based on our assessment because this lady is still disabled, to me, the insurance company has breached the contract of insurance. They have now ended her benefits prematurely. So if they breached the agreement, the contract, the policy with this lady, how can they now rely on a provision in that policy to say, oh, but but the policy says you must attend these IMEs. Yeah, but you breached that policy by telling me my benefits will end. If you hadn't told me that my benefits will end, well, then I would have to go and see this assessment, uh, this assessor. So you see what I'm saying, John? To me, it seems like this adjuster acted prematurely in cutting off benefits or telling her that the benefits will end, and now she's she's put the cart before the horse. That's what I'm trying to say. She's now trying to justify the cutoff in the future by now directing this lady to go and have this assessment. Now, I know some of our listeners, John, are probably going to say, "Oh, don't really understand what's going on here. you're you seem to be very animated, Sivan. You seem to be very upset <laughs> at the situation. I am upset at the situation because no, this kidding. lady is being told that her benefits will end, and by the way, even though your benefits will end, I would want you to be seen by one of our doctors. Well, you can't have it both ways. Either sure. you're telling me that my benefits are going to end." Or you're not, you're keeping an open mind, you want me to be seen by one of your doctors and then you're going to make a decision. You can't tell me you've made a decision and now you're going to try and get me to be seen by one of your doctors to see if the decision was correct. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't. So in my view, this lady has a legal claim against the insurance company. I want to see how this plays out. Martin agrees 100% here. We'll see what happens. We'll come back to this at a later show perhaps. But the reason I'm bringing this out is because many people out there, John, are simply not aware that the insurance company does not have unlimited power, and they cannot simply tell you to do X, Y, and Z when they're not allowed to do that. We, as long-term disability lawyers, are fully aware of the game. We understand the rules. We understand when insurance companies are overstepping the bounds. Regular people out there, especially people who are already disabled, whether it's psychological disability or physical or both, they are vulnerable there is a power imbalance. And it makes me angry when I see an insurance company and adjuster that is essentially, in my view, abusing that relationship. And it makes me feel very strongly about stepping in and not only defending the individual against this insurance company, but going with every resource that our firm has against this insurance company after them and forcing them to do what's right. And I keep telling people this, uh, John, on the show that you know when we handle a case, when we tell you you have a case after you call us and we review the documentation, we speak with you, when we end up going to a mediation or we have settlement discussions or whatever happens, when an insurance company writes a check to our client for five figures or six figures or seven figures, it's not because it's a charity case, it's because we have forced them to do it. Because they understand that if we went all the way before a judge, they would get hammered. Mm-hmm. And that's how we built our reputation. Martin is probably one of the top, if not the top, long term disability lawyer in BC. And of course, we act in Alberta as well. And in Ontario, we have lawyers. I we're all called in all these jurisdictions. Martin works in Alberta and, and BC. I work in Ontario, BC and Alberta. All of our lawyers really are known with all these insurance companies. We know their defense lawyers, we know the adjusters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you have any questions. You members of the public, you know someone that has any issues with long-term disability, long-term disability insurance companies? Please reach out to us. It doesn't cost a cent to speak to any one of us. A lot of it's intimidation. They're
1: the big bad insurance companies, so they figure most people aren't going to stand up to them. I'm the little guy. What you know? What chance do I have of even toppling this, uh, toppling this insurance company, and getting my benefits, or stopping being cut off? They say I don't have a chance, so I'm going to listen to them. That's probably ninety percent of the reason why people don't
2: fight, right? That's exactly right, and I think that the insurance companies out there are aware of this. And John, it's not just about long-term disability; it's house insurance, travel insurance, car insurance, any kind of insurance. You know, I was just recently having dinner with a friend of mine. Uh, who, <laughs> I helped him with an insurance claim, actually, a flood basement, and uh, he, you know, we were we were talking about insurance, and he was asking me why is that, and I said, you know, I think it's just the way the system is. It's rigged. It's rigged mm-hmm. against people. Insurance is the only product I know that I'm aware of, maybe I can be informed otherwise, but it's the only product out there that I'm aware of where you pay, as soon as you pay for that product, as, you, as soon as you purchase that product, or your employer purchased that product, that's when the, the other side that you purchase it from immediately starts thinking about how they're not going to deliver that product. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't happen with houses. It doesn't happen with cars. It doesn't happen with, you know, going to a store. You buy something, you expect to get that product. Insurance is the only product I know where literally as soon as you buy it, the other side is trying to figure out how not to pay you. And that's yeah. their system. That's how they make these billions of dollars, right? They take in premiums, tons of premiums, whether it's life insurance. We've dealt with those, right? Uh, in, uh, critical illness insurance, long-term disability insurance, all these kinds of insurance. And, and you know having worked as a defense lawyer in the past having defended insurance companies i understand from the inside the logic the logic is very simple if we can intimidate people into not making claims or giving up on their claims we are going to end up with bags full of money for our shareholders uh, our directors the president and everyone else that's involved in the insurance industry and it's not fair that is why we do this show,
1: and that's why you guys exist across the country for sure. Short, uh, short break, and then a, a ton of emails are piling up. We'll get to as many as we can. But in the meantime, here's the number to keep with you. Beyond the show, all the time, 1 821 5900. Email that we're going to is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for short, concise, non legal speak memos about LTD, super simple to understand. That's how it was constructed, called LTD FAQ. C A can use that freely and anonymously as well. We'll continue with more of the Disability Law Show. Standby. You're
0: listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: And we are back. Disability Law Show continues. Beautiful. Savannah Tamark and co founding partner Sam Firu Tamar and LLP. They are the most positively reviewed law firm across the country you can check that out and while you're doing that pick up the phone and give Savan and his team a call uh, be it for yourself a family member friend colleague who's struggling with a, a disability insurance company who it's the David and Goliath situation it can be intimidating can be a lot of uh, a lot of confusion and a lot of stress and anxiety dealing with them, but it can be cleared up quite simply even with that first phone call. And how do you get that happening? 1-855-821-5900 and help at disabilityrights.ca. Jaber, first one up, says, Guys, when is enough? Is enough? My wife has been bullied by her claims adjuster at her long-term disability insurer repeatedly. She's disrespectful and very aggressive whenever she speaks with us. My wife is not well. She's 53 and worked for 25 years for the same employer as a manager. And then when she became ill, she was approved for short-term disability and then long-term disability. We're getting close to the two-year mark. And this adjuster says that my wife will be cut off then, right then. She suffers from severe depression and bipolar disorder. Her doctors are adamant. They're adamant that she's not well to do any work and we don't know what to do. It's exactly what I said before the break, intimidation, right?
2: It's exactly what you said, John. Jaber, I'm so sorry for what your wife is going through and your whole family. Again, this is not, unfortunately, that rare. We do have adjusters out there who are on a power trip. I don't know why. I can tell you I know some adjusters who are just very good people. You know, This is not something that is specific, I think, to the insurance industry. There are just people out there who are just very difficult to deal with. The unfortunate thing is that your wife is already ill. Your wife is already dealing with, uh, psychological issues, severe depression, bipolar disorder. These are very, very serious issues. And clearly she's disabled. Her doctors are saying that. So I want to break apart or undo this email, take, you know, take it apart, uh, and really explain what is going on here. Number one, the fact that your wife is being bullied by the claims adjuster. Completely unacceptable. Insurance companies have a duty of good faith towards their insureds. They are not allowed to do what you are describing this adjuster is doing to your wife. What can you do about it? There are several things. Number one, uh you or your wife better needs to put in writing by email, confirm all emails and correspondence with this adjuster. She can even say to the adjuster, again in writing, that this is what's happening. Every time I speak with you, you are creating more anxiety for me. Uh, you are aggravating my condition. I don't like the tone that you're using with me. Whatever, However she wants to explain herself, but she needs to explain by email why it is that she's feeling the way she's feeling, and she needs to then say to the adjuster, going forward, I will only communicate with you in writing. Now, this adjuster is not going to like that, but there is nothing in an insurance policy that I have ever seen that says that you must speak with them by phone. If it says that, well, then you must speak with them by phone. But I have not seen provisions in any policy that say you must speak with them by phone. So communication in writing is, to me, absolutely justifiable, especially in a case like this. Now, Jabber, your wife should also speak with her doctors and make sure the doctors are fully aware of what's going on here and how the way that this adjuster is dealing with her is aggravating her condition. The reason why this is important is because we want real-time contemporaneous records by the medical professionals that are treating her. To explain, to show, to record that this is what's happening because if down the road there is a claim against the insurance company, you can use this for the claim of bad faith against the insurance company. It means that we can go after the insurance company for punitive damages to punish them for the adjuster's conduct. In addition to this, I've told people before that they can also contact the manager of whichever adjuster is dealing with them and complain again in writing. It's always better in writing because in ri- first of all, you can compose your thoughts better in writing. Second of all, in writing there is a permanent record as opposed to verbal, who knows what was said. He said, she said, you know, people always argue over that. So that's what I would say about the bullying here, that's completely unacceptable. Uh and by the way, John, when we get involved in every case, in any case, sorry, uh I can tell you right now that adjusters <laughs> they don't try to bully us. I mean, God help them if they try to bully us. I've actually I'm not proud of this, but i've actually made some adjusters cry, not because I was being bullying towards them, but because I just wouldn't let them uh, be difficult with me or with my client right? I mean remember when we get involved, we take over all communications with these adjusters when we get involved when we are retained to deal with these cases, the insured person and their family don't have to speak with this adjuster anymore or communicate with them. We are the ones standing now in between the insurance company and this person. And these adjusters hit a wall with us. They simply don't get to do to us what they do to our clients. And I'm proud of that. I mean, that's one of the things that we tell people, we're going to give you some peace of mind here by pushing back on these insurance companies. So that's what I'll say about the bullying aspect here. I want to you know, focus a bit on the uh, two-year mark because Jabber said that this adjuster has told his wife that uh, they're getting close to that two-year mark and that his wife will be cut off benefits at that point. Now, we've talked about this many times before, and I'm sure some of our regular listeners are aware of what I'm going to say here, but I'll say it anyways because we always have new listeners. Under most long-term disability policies, to get LTD, long-term disability benefits, for the first two years... You have to show with the help of your doctors that you are unable to perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. It doesn't mean that you need to be catatonic, doesn't mean that you need to be brain injured or so depressed that you can't get out of bed at all. No, it doesn't mean that. It simply means that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your occupation, period. It means that you may be able to pick up your kids from school. It means that you may be able to go to the gym and work out because your doctor has told you that that would benefit you. That doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you can perform the essential tasks of your occupation, right? Because right. many many of these disabilities, just like Jabber's wife, are psychological. They're not physical. So people need to understand that when the insurance company says you are not disabled, you're not totally disabled, we hear that term a lot, totally disabled, it doesn't mean what you think it means, The test is, can you perform the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years? In this case here, Jabber's wife clearly meets that definition because she's getting paid up to that two-year mark. Now the insurance company is saying, or this adjuster is saying, that she's going to get cut off after the two-year mark. I don't know if Jabber understands or knows, or if the insurance company has explained that to him and his wife, but you know, it's not that simple. These insurance policies go beyond the two-year mark. Generally, in fact, they go to age 65. The reason why, however, many of these claims get cut off or where their benefits end at the two-year mark is when the insurance company takes the position, oftentimes wrongly and against the doctor's advice, where they say that this person is now able to work in some other job or other occupation. What they mean by that is that under most long-term disability policies, The test for getting long-term disability benefits beyond the two-year mark is no longer can you perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. It's now can you perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. So, you know, the test changes. It's not your own occupation. It's any occupation. But it's not just any occupation. It's any occupation for which you're suited for. And, you know, John, we've talked about what does that mean in terms of money. It generally means that if you can get another job, work in another job or occupation, where you can earn 60 65% or so, 70% of your mm-hmm. pre-disability income, the insurance company may have an argument as to why it is that you are not qualified or should not be getting benefits beyond the two-year mark. But again, n- not in every case. And in many, many situations, and Jabber, this is now I'm speaking to you and your wife, in many cases... The doctors are explicitly saying this person is unable to work in any occupation or certainly any occupation for which you're suited for, or, or certainly not for the amount of hours required to make that 60, 65% of pre-disability income. Well, in that case, she should not be cut off LTD, and we can help there. And what people do oftentimes, John, and this is really unfortunate, is they take what the insurance company says as gospel, they assume that they can't do anything about that, that the insurance company has made that decision, And they simply go against their own doctor's advice, and they try to then go back to work in some other occupation. And that usually exacerbates their condition. Uh. They fall into even more depression, they get worse, and, and they don't know what to do. So what I tell people is, contact us. Exactly what Jabber did here. He emailed us about his wife's situation. We're gonna have a chat with him and his wife after the show. I mean, I'm gonna explain to them exactly what their options are, because they have options here. There's a menu of options that they can choose from, not to let the insurance company get away with what they're doing here. And, and when people, you know, when they say, listen, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to, you know, be, I don't want to be one of those people. I, I, don't, I, I just, li- leave me be. It's too much stress. What I want you to do is just take a step back and calculate in your mind how much the insurance company owes you monthly and then yearly and how much would they owe you until age 65 if your situation remained the same. And I'm telling you, John, in many cases, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. If not, if it's not in the millions. People need to understand it's money that is not, that's not, it doesn't belong to the insurance company. It belongs to you. Now, if you've looked at that, if you're okay with the insurance company keeping all that money that belongs to you and your family, God bless you. You're giving them a very nice Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. But it's not their money. Don't let them get away with it. And whether it's us that you come to for help or another lawyer, just just understand that you have these options and the insurance company is betting on you simply not doing anything, being intimidated and, and just walking away. So, so that's the message here. And I know I'm being very animated here because I've had people, John, calling me and emailing me when they've been cut off three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years ago, only for me to tell them, well, guess what? There is a two-year limitation period. And if you were cut off over two years ago, chances are I can't help you. In some cases, we can. So I still want people to contact me so I can you know, take a look. But in many cases, I can't. A- and when we do the math, we realize that they have lost out on like half a million dollars or a million oh dollars gosh. or whatever it is. That, that, Yeah, I mean, we see this all the time. So that's the message. Don't simply take what the insurance company is saying at face value. Question them. Speak to us. It doesn't cost anything to get this advice
1: guys always told you to call in and keep that number in your wallet on your phone whatever it doesn't matter just have it with you One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca moving on down to uh, to Kamal oh yeah you gotta you gotta hear this one uh, Savannah goes like this says hey guys my wife and I lost our baby during birth because of complications earlier this year. My wife has been seeking counseling, has been diagnosed with a major depressive disorder. She's had depression in the past that she was able to work through, but because of our tragedy, she has been become almost catatonic. We've discussed with her doctor hospitalization because it's gotten so bad. Her company paid her short-term disability, and now we've applied for long-term, but the application was rejected because they say that she's not disabled enough from working. Her job is working with young disabled children, and she's one of the best at her school. Unfortunately, that's going to have to wait now because of her situation, but we're devastated by this denial, and I don't know what to do. We need that financial help to get by. We can't make it with just my salary alone. We have two other young children who are in the middle of all this. My best friend told me to appeal this denial and maybe hire a doctor to do a report in addition to my wife's family doctor and psychiatrist, but I'm not sure if that will
2: help. What do you think? Wow, oh my lord, John. I mean, talk about some of the most tragic situations that we have seen and and heard about. Uh, Kamal, I I I have no words really to express uh, how sorry I am for for what you guys are going through. Um, and you know, I, it's tough to even put into words um, how bad. The insurance company is acting here, you know. Just when we thought, John, that uh, we we've seen everything, uh, insurance companies have stooped even lower. Look, uh, I know we're heading towards a break here, so I'll be brief. Kamal, not only does your wife have a claim here against the insurance company, but this is one of those cases where, if you wanted to, I can tell you right now, and I have experience in this. I'm not suggesting it; I'm simply outlining it as a fact. This is a case that the media would latch onto. Um And again, not saying this is what's going to happen, but I mean, if people go to our website, they'll see that we've had some high-profile cases in our firm, and we've come down like a ton of bricks on these insurance companies. This is a case, I am telling you right now unequivocally, where not only are we going to get the insurance company to capitulate, but we're going to make them pay above and beyond what your wife is owed. We're going to make them pay punitive damages, aggravated damages, and what's called general damages for pain and suffering. Because their uh, approach here what they're doing is so disgusting that I can tell you that as soon as a defense lawyer gets a hold of this, once we start a legal claim, the defense lawyer will tell their client that it is there in their best interest, the insurance company's best interest, to shut this down as soon as possible because it is so ridiculous, disgusting, ludicrous, and, and, and just appalling. So So please, let's chat about this off air. I can explain to your and your wife exactly what can be done and what should be done, uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, give you guys some solace when it comes to at least this insurance matter.
1: Kamal, appreciate the uh, the reach out, man. And again, call that number now that you know the email address. Well done, and that is as we get into a break here one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred for you as well. You want to send an email along? That's easy. Help at disabilityrights.ca, and any other questions can be asked anonymously at my disabilityquestions.com. You can check that out. And we'll continue with more of the show to stand by. It's coming right back here on the Disability Law Show.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: All right, thanks for hanging around. More of the Disability Law Show right here and now. to market and his crew, any time you want to reach out, you can do so. Make the phone call your first line of defense against that insurance company. Call them, one 821 5900 You can use the uh, the email, help at disabilityrights.ca as well. Just want to talk a little more about, uh, you know, before the break, Savant, we were talking about Kamal's lengthy email just to, uh just a terrible situation, lost a young, uh, a young kid due to some complications at birth. And then the uh, his wife is, of course, going through some serious mental anguish, diagnosed, working with doctors. Now, he was told at one time by a friend of his, obviously not a disability lawyer, but a friend trying to help out to appeal the decision, maybe hire a doctor uh, as well to do some, some reporting. But uh, what's, your, what's your opinion on all that, that last part of that email?
2: Yeah, so this is interesting because I do have people contacting me when uh, they're getting conflicting advice or different advice than what we give on air and privately uh, from people who are non-lawyers and certainly people who don't have any expertise with long-term disability. Now, it's with the best of intentions. I see this a lot also with doctors, by the way, um, or, or other healthcare professionals who are telling people uh, or their patients, you know, don't bother appealing or don't bother even applying for long-term disability because you wouldn't qualify. Well, with all due respect, I don't give medical advice and doctors and individuals out there who don't have expertise in this. This area of law, should not be giving that kind of advice. It's, it's very dangerous. You could potentially have a person rely on that advice to their detriment, and we're talking about a loss of thousands and thousands of dollars because you're giving bad advice. So the best friend here, Kamal's best friend, says that they should appeal his wife's LTD denial and maybe hire a doctor to do a report in addition to his wife's family doctor and psychiatrist. No, no, no. On both grounds. Number one, do not appeal this denial. We talked about appeals endlessly. I tell people never ever appeal a long-term disability denial without speaking with us first. We'll talk to you about that appeal. We'll talk to you about whether or not, uh, you know, there's any chance of appealing. I always take the position that these appeals are useless. I never say that they never work because just like with the lottery, some people win, but you don't really want to waste time and effort on a game that is designed by insurance companies to frustrate you, which is what appeals are all about, in my opinion. I've seen this time and time again, and other lawyers who deal with this area of law will tell you the same thing, or most of them will at least. So do not appeal, certainly not before speaking with us first. Number two, uh, do not hire a doctor. Why, why would you pay thousands of dollars, or even hundreds of dollars, for another doctor to do a report to support what your family doctor is saying and what your psychiatrist is saying? I mean, think about this. You already have medical support here. Come on. Your wife has medical support. The insurance company's denial is completely ludicrous and wrong. Not only do I think that we can get the insurance company to capitulate and even pay more than what they owe under the policy, but if at some point we feel that, in fact, we do need to have another doctor provide a report, an expert, we know the experts in these fields. I'm talking about the top the top of the top, right? Like, I mean, when we hire an expert to bolster... The opinions of our own clients treating medical professionals. We go to the top. We go to the heads of the hospitals of whichever discipline we're dealing with, psychiatry or, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a physical injury, chronic pain, physiatry, orthopedics, whatever it is, we go to the top of the top and we pay for those reports. So, so don't waste time. Don't waste effort. You don't even know what to ask the external doctor to write. Uh, or or what questions to ask that doctor in support of your wife's claim. Again, I tell people, if you have any questions, do what Kamal's doing. Either send them to us, go to mydisabilityquestions.com, post a question, or email me directly. You'll get answers for free, or call us. We give this information each and every week for free. We do the same thing when people call us directly. We'll have a Zoom call, we'll have a phone call, whatever you want. We'll give you this information for free. If at some point you decide that we can help you, Great then we'll help you. If you don't think we can help you or you don't want to proceed, that's fine too. It's your decision. As long as you're informed of your options, you can make an informed choice on how to proceed. want to get to Gerald.
1: Gerald is next. Appreciate it, Gerald, ahead of time for, uh, for sending this in on the show today. He says, would my retirement pension from another employer other than my own occupation employer, who is the LTD policy holder, be used as an offset? Break that down for me. What's he talking
2: about? <laughs> I will. I will. It, I, I love these questions because some of them can get very technical, and I, and I, I enjoy, uh, you know, sort of dissecting them and making them, uh, you know, explaining them to the public. Mm. What Gerald is, is asking here is this this comes back to a principle or uh, the provisions that you find in long term disability policies where it says that an insurance company that is paying you long term disability is entitled to certain offsets or they're entitled to reduce whatever they're paying you monthly by certain things that you get elsewhere. The simplest example is CPP disability. If you're getting long-term disability from an insurance company and then you apply for CPP disability, and then you get approved for CPP disability, you don't get the CPP disability on top of your LTD payments. You get still the same amount or you ought to get the same amount What happens is your long-term disability insurance company simply reduces what they have to pay you by what you're getting from CPP disability. But again, this is grounded usually in the policy. There is a provision that says we're entitled to an offset or a credit for this and this and this. And so it's very important to look at the policy because there are some differences depending on the policy you're looking at. Some policies contain a provision that says we're entitled to reduce what we pay you by pension. But wow. what kind of pension? Is it government pension? Is it, uh, private pension? You know, we have to look at that. I can tell you that pensions, a lot of times, in fact, are, uh, uh, contemplated by policy and, and, and insurance companies often reduce that. Same thing with severance, by the way. When you get let go from a job, right. the insurance company is often allowed to reduce that. But again, not in every case. So, Gerald, what I would tell you right now is you're asking me if this retirement pension you're getting from another employer, Not the one that you are off of disability for, but another employer, if the insurance company that's paying you LTD, if they're entitled to reduce what they're paying you by that other pension from the other employer. The answer is, it depends. I need to see your policy. Or you can look at your policy, ask for a copy of your policy from your insurance company, and then scroll through it and take a look at the provision that deals with deductions or credits, and you will see it. It will tell you what they're entitled to reduce it by. If the policy does not stipulate explicitly that they're allowed to deduct pensions, well, guess what? They're not allowed to do so. And if they're doing it, well, then contact us because we can go after them for that. But it all comes back to the policy the policy is the contract that governs both parties. We can look at that, and then, and then, you know, I can advise you if you want. You can flip it to me, and I'll, I'll have a look at it quickly, and and just send you the answer. Gerald, appreciate that, pal. Hope that answer was complex enough. Uh, if not, just uh, reach out to
1: Savannah and his team. They'll talk to you at 1 821 5900. Got Alan and Nancy, got a bunch of emails piling up. Guys, we'll get to as many as we can, but we have to take one more final break before we dive back in. In the meantime, use that number and send along your own email anytime help at disabilityrights.ca. And for short, concise memos about LTD, variety of topics, really easy to navigate, plain, simple English, LTD faq.ca. We'll continue in a moment. More of the disability law show is coming right up.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: And welcome back. Few minutes to go. You bet. Disability Law Show. If you're just joining us for the first time, we talk about exactly that dealing with your long term disability. And sure, it can be an abs, it's like trekking through the Amazon jungle with a doll machete not a good time but you've got Savan you've got his team behind you and it all starts with that simple phone call right One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. get some answers get some clarity won't cost you a penny to pick up a phone and call them and have a uh, have a chat or send along an email that is help at disabilityrights.ca exactly what Alan has done Savan Allen's next says uh, guys as an employee assigned to a specific project when the project has been completed do I lose my LTD
2: great question that is very, uh, very interesting and a very good question, Alan. And the problem here is that I actually don't know exactly the scope of your project. Who are you working for? What I can tell you is that uh, typically when you're dealing with health benefits through work, it's not on a project by project basis. It's on whether or not you are enrolled in the, in the company's health benefits plan. When does it end? When does it not? Now, there is a provision under most policies that is called the active work provision, which means that you need to be working in order to qualify for LTD. Uh, and so if you have finished the project and you're now not working, you're employed, but you're not actively working, you could be compromised and it could be an issue with your LTD. So you need to investigate that because you may want to you know, uh, maybe get long-term disability coverage privately, which some people do do. Uh so it is important to ask this question. Uh I, I often tell people that you know you should also inquire with your own uh employer as to whether or not you have long term disability and short term disability through work and, and find out what is required for you to qualify. Again, uh generally you have to be not just employed but actively working in order to be able to to get LTD. Again, not in every case, but this is general advice. So Alan I suggest that uh, you speak with your employer, make sure that you understand the scope of those health benefits and whether or not this project means that if, you know, once it comes to an end, you know, doesn't mean that you're no longer working there or are you going to have another project or whether, you know, the coverage restarts. I'm happy to chat with you privately about this after the show, but I need more information, but I think you also need more information before we speak.
1: Alan, appreciate that. Here's that number. Uh, once you get more info, 1 821 5900. Got time to slide down to uh, Nancy's email. It says, Hey, Savannah, is there any way to remove an amendment, uh, e.g., no coverage for any disability resulting from any future mental health condition, from a private disability insurance contract if one had an episode of anxiety years ago that was mild and now completely resolved for years? Hmm.
2: Okay, yeah. So this is interesting. I, and I can tell you from my own experience, you know, Having done or procured life insurance years ago, uh, the insurance company that I was dealing with, the broker I was dealing with, uh, you know, we had some caveats in my policy because of certain conditions that I have had in the past. Insurance companies look think about what insurance companies want to do. They don't want to pay out. So if they see that historically you've had a certain condition, psychological, physical, or both, they're going to try and limit their exposure. They're going to want to try and insulate themselves against a claim for that. However, to have a provision in this policy, this this coverage issue, Nancy, that precludes any future mental health condition this is very very significant it's a wide very wide scope it's not a specific thing that says depression or anxiety or ptsd or whatever it's future mental health condition uh to me that is almost renders the policy useless right it, huh. o- it yeah. almost makes it like an injury type policy which those exist too where you suffer an actual injury as opposed to suffer from some kind of a, of a condition that's you know an illness of sorts My advice, Nancy, is I'm not a broker, is contact an insurance broker. I have done that uh, in the past. In fact, all of my insurance, I procure through insurance brokers. They have expertise in this area. You got to find somebody that's good. Speak with them. There could be other products on the market. There could be other insurance companies that you could be approaching through the broker. You also don't want a broker, in my opinion, that deals with only one insurer. You want one that uh, will look at various insurance companies, various coverages, uh, and try and tailor the product that you need for you, a customized product. So that's my advice. Uh, contact an insurance broker that has expertise in this area and, and speak with them about that. You
1: know, interesting uh, email here. We'll get uh, enough time, I think, to get to uh, to this one as well. Yeah, this one comes from uh, from Ryan Savan. Uh, Ryan's a good man. He's seen the TV show. He's seen the disability law show on TV, and he says, uh, you said the appeal process is not worth it as it's just an internal appeal. Is the appeal process, uh, when you're in a union setting, in your opinion, the same thing, the internal
2: appeal, a waste of time as well, if you're part of a union? In my opinion, yes. Yes. Okay. However, however, he, he, here's the problem. Uh, and we've seen this in different jurisdictions, whether it's in Alberta or BC or in Ontario or other places around the country. Um, these appeals, for the most part, I can tell you, are internal. What I mean by that is that there is no third party looking at this. Sometimes you have a medical board that looks at it, but you're not looking, there's no judge, there's no court that is adjudicating this. There's no external party from a legalistic standpoint. And when we're looking at appeals for denial of benefits, Typically, it is the insurance companies, the same people or same group of people that denied you in the first place who are now going to be looking again at you re-asking as to whether or not your claim should proceed, whether you should get benefits. The union issue is not so much about the appeal. The union issue comes up where, you know, somebody from a union contacts us and says, I've been denied this claim. What should I do about it? Can you represent me? You know, I've seen Mm -hmm. you on TV. I've heard the show. I trust you guys. Can you guys help me? And what we have to tell people is typically, most likely, the answer is yes, we can help you. However, however, we have to look at your collective agreement. There may be language within the collective agreement that does not allow an external lawyer to get involved. It could be that it's only your union that may have the ability to challenge the insurance company. I don't like these scenarios. I don't think unions have any expertise in this area, typically. Uh, I can tell you many unions will agree with me on that. But we still have to be cognizant that some collective agreements contain language that will not allow us to get involved. Uh, The majority of them, I can tell you, do not contain that kind of language, and we can can help people who are unionized fight their insurance companies for long-term disability benefits, but I have to look at the collective agreement in each particular case and then assess and then tell the person if we can if, if we can help. So, so Ryan, that's my answer to you. Uh, I, certainly, I would not recommend that you appeal before speaking with me directly, but I would also want to take a look at your collective agreement to let you know if we in fact can help and represent you. Ryan,
1: nicely done. Appreciate that uh, that email there. And it was uh, it was a good one. Always something to be learned on this show from our, our listeners as well. And do you want to reach out just like Ryan did and Nancy and uh, Gerald and Alan, everybody who sent an email in on the show today, you can do so. It's simple. The phone calls, we uh, wrap it up here. Again, 1-855-821-5900. The email address we always use is help at disabilityrights.ca. Mydisabilityquestions.com is another free and anonymous place for you to answer, uh, ask your questions online. Also, needs a phone or a, or a keypad, and you're good to go. And then finally, free and easy to use memos about LTD, all kinds of topics, simple to navigate, no legal speak. It's called LTDFAQ.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show.